U.S. home prices were up 20.6% in the year since March 2021, according to the S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller National Home Price Index, a record one-year increase. Inflation in the Eurozone was 8.1% year-over-year in May. Prices are likely to continue rising as the EU has agreed to embargo about 90% of Russian oil imports by the end of the year. In the U.S., Consumer price inflation was 8.3% in the 12 months to April. President Biden met this week with Fed Chairman Jerome Powell and Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, publicly affirming his administration's, quote, laser focus on addressing inflation. In this edition of Commerce Code, cash, debit, credit, and consumers, a conversation with Nader Hennen of Interact. Dan Carell here, and this is Commerce Code, brought to you by DCA, the Digital Commerce Alliance. Thanks for joining us for insights into the evolving world of digital commerce. The Bureau of Labor Statistics in the U.S. reported Tuesday there were 11.4 million unfilled jobs nationwide, down from 11.9 million a month earlier. The percentage of workers who quit their job during the month stayed at a near-record 2.9%. This annualizes to 348 people quitting their jobs. Gasoline prices in the U.S. hit a record high $4.67 on Wednesday, according to the American Automobile Association, and U.S. airlines struggled over the Memorial Day weekend. Delta canceled 7% of its flights, and a fifth were delayed. Nevertheless, the airline business is in a rare moment of growth and profitability. Delta said in a securities filing this week that it expects its second quarter revenues to exceed the same period in 2019, in a rebound of both revenues and profits that its CEO said exceeded their expectations. Southwest and JetBlue also had positive reports last week. High fuel prices and staff shortages are making things difficult for airlines, but they are posting profits nonetheless on very strong demand. The Bank of Canada lifted its overnight rate target from 1% to 1.5%. This is the second half-point rate rise in a row. The European Commission reduced its economic growth forecasts from 4% to 2.7% for the year. Some economists warn that Europe may enter a sharp slowdown or even a recession by year's end as the continent experiences record inflation, energy uncertainty, and other impacts from Russia's invasion of Ukraine. In China, lockdown ended this week, finally, for most of Shanghai's 25 million residents. Though lockdowns continue in other Chinese cities as the government continues to pursue its zero-COVID policy. Today on the show, we're talking cash, debit, cards, and consumer expectations. We're joined by Nader Hennen of Interact, a Canadian interbank network. Nader, thank you so much for joining us on Commerce Code. Where are you joining us from? Hey, Dan. I'm joining you from Interact. I've been working with Interact for maybe almost now seven years and a half, being part of the product team at Interact overseeing the commerce team, which mainly responsible for the in-person transaction in the retail, as well as the online transactions. Great. The share of in-person transactions obviously falls as online commerce grows. And then the share of even in-person transactions that are conducted in cash fell a little during the pandemic with you know continued growth in contactless payments. So my question for you on cash is, summer is here. It's earliest June. 
we're starting to think about family vacations and such. Do you think there's a chance that there'll be an increase in cash transactions as travelers go on vacation, maybe use a little more cash? Or are we going to just continue to go down the path of more and more digital payment? I would say the sharing of in-person transaction conducted in cash was already on the decline curve as Canadians were on the path of embracing electronic payment transactions. We have seen, I would say, a steady decline in cash volumes on an annual basis over the last few years. However, at the start of the pandemic, cash transaction volumes declined significantly as a way for Canadians to avoid contacting with ABM terminals and the exchange of cash with retailers. We are seeing a slight rebound in cash transactions, but we believe it will not go back to the same level pre-pandemic. And this was supported by a recent Intrax study where 60% of respondents said that they do not want to go back to using cash. And in fact, this number is higher for younger generations where approximately 72% of Canadians between 25 to 34 years old said that they do not want to go back to using cash as well. Apparently, so I think based on that, the evolution and the growth of the electronic payment transactions still going to continue and the decline in cash volume as well going to remain there. How much of this do you think is because of the pandemic versus people just wanted to move to digital payment or, or that was going to happen eventually anyway. You think the pandemic really drove much of this or was this really just going to take place no matter what? I would take a step back here. In principle, that the global pandemic changed our lives in many aspects. It changed how we work, our relationship with each other. But one of the most tangible ways our life have changed is how we shop. The pandemic created a new digital habits, which we believe it will stay. And the decrease in cash anyway, as I said at the beginning, was already happening no matter what, since more convenient and secured payment methods continue to evolve, cannibalizing the cash transactions. For example, over less than a decade, the share of in-person transactions conducted with cash fell from 54% in 2009 to approximately 17% in 2020. However, in 2020 alone, there was a 10 percentage point drop in cash share of the total transactions. So in summary, I would say the declining cash transactions was meant to happen anyway. However, the pandemic just accelerated it. While that change is taking place in form and channel the way that we pay for things, there's another big financial change taking place for everybody, which is the return of inflation after decades of inflation really not being a big factor. So since inflation is, is soaring pretty much everywhere, and inflation obviously gets talked about primarily as affecting consumers, but affects businesses very much as well. I wonder, given your visibility into the market and the role you play at Interact, how does offering more payment options like debit, for example, and other options help merchants? In general, there are a number of reasons behind high card abandonment rates, especially in the e-commerce environment. However, one of the key reasons for this kind of card abandonment rate is offering limited payment options. And this is one of the key reasons. Now, shoppers are expecting multiple products and services at their convenience. They are equally as well want to see their preferred payment option at the checkout. So offering a greater number of options for payment not only going to enhance the customer experience, 
but potentially will minimize the card abandonment rate and improve the merchant's margins. Most importantly, when many businesses are still trying to recover from the damage caused by the pandemic. I wonder, as you look at the market in terms of not just the way people are paying, we've talked a little bit about that and sort of impact on business and merchant, but do you think that the pandemic has changed what consumers actually are buying? So what they actually want from retailers or just sort of the the way that they want to interact with retailers? As I mentioned at the beginning, the pandemic changed consumer lives in many ways. Consumers became more demanding for convenient and personalized experiences tailored to their needs. They are expecting a seamless shopping customer experience across all channels, either in-store or online. And given that there is no dividing line between the physical and digital shopping, customers now can buy online and pick up at store anyway, for example. As well, customers can go in-store and basically ship to home, right? Even better, consumers can now buy online and return back to in-store. So in summary, merchants need to adapt fast to the customer needs and provide them with more options. In my opinion, businesses who fail to provide that experience will fall behind. This idea of a combined online and bricks and mortar presence has been around for a very long time, but it seems to me like it's been hard for retailers to execute on it, to have the thing that you've just said, which is to be able to provide options to the consumer, to buy online, to return to the store. It's harder than it looks. From your standpoint, do you think that major bricks and mortar retailers are going to improve and get better at this in the next few years, or is it going to continue to be a challenge? I think from my perspective, merchants do not have the choice. The competition is very harsh. And for those merchants who will not be able to adapt to what customer needs, they're going to fall behind, as I said. They will suddenly lose their business and lose their market share. And I think we kept seeing over the last, I would say, few years, how merchants are trying to prioritize the customers, making customer as a channel. Customer became the center of everything right now. And the pandemic, as I mentioned, right, just accelerated those efforts. You have seen, you know, a lot of new use cases. You have seen a lot of new experiences, especially here in the Canadian market, where consumers were able and buy online and pick it up in a specific places, which we kind of like said the curbside pickup. This kind of like added more convenience to the consumer who shouldn't or haven't have to leave their cars by any chance. Those experiences, Canadians got used to them. So merchants, again, who will not be able to adapt those new capabilities, those new experiences, they will not have a share of the consumers spend in the future by any chance. As we said before, digital payments, maybe we're going to happen anyway. I think if we look at the example of Asia, of China in particular, the move away from cash, the move towards digital, maybe that was inevitable. It's interesting thinking about your comments, Nader, that some of the developments were maybe not inevitable in terms of the way that consumers, how they interact with retailers, that those things were a situation where necessity was the mother of invention. 
during the pandemic. And then to your point, consumers have continued to like some of that. So curbside pickup or some of the semi-delivery options that have come around now. I wonder, this is just personal, what's your favorite thing? Or is there some way that you shop now that you didn't shop before the pandemic that you've picked up and said, hey, I kind of like that? To be honest, of course, you know, I would say I was shopping, you know, in store and online before the pandemic. But of course, you know, similar to any Canadian, it was kind of like multiple lockdowns happened here. I shifted more toward kind of like buying online and specifically ordering food through one of the food delivery services. I didn't used to do that before. When I kind of like buy some food, I would go to the restaurant and pick it up and go back home. But during the pandemic, till an extent, a lot of people, and I would say I was one of them, I tried, you know, those kind of like delivery apps. And it was very, very convenient. And I tend to do that even now, even things kind of like restriction was eased. There is not all those restrictions similar to before. So I would say this is personally for me, I more now tend to buy more online, similar to a lot of Canadians. And this is kind of like what the stats is telling us. Although that online is not similar or the online traffic is not similar to what used to happen back in 2020, but I would say it's still definitely higher than the pre-pandemic. Nader, that's a great place to end it, I think. And so we'll leave it there. This has been a great conversation and really interesting topics and and good to learn about things from your perspective where you sit at Interact with great visibility into how consumers are behaving. So thanks so much for your time and thoughts with us today. And uh, we'll look forward to talking with you again in the future. Thanks, Dan. And thanks for having me here with you today. Coming right up, China's flash cash crash. I've talked before on Commerce Code about the sheer pace of change in China, the remarkable arc of economic progress from incomes below $1,000 per person in the lifetime of many Chinese to average incomes over 10 times that today. Nader and I talked about cash and the move away from cash in Western economies. In so many ways, China shows how fast things can move under the right circumstances. Its move from cash to electronic payments was an earthquake in comparison to what's happening in the West. One headline caught my eye as I looked into this. It actually came up when I was searching for something else. It's from National Public Radio Marketplace in 2008. Now think for a minute about where you were and what you were doing in 2008. I was 36 years old, flying around the world as a management consultant. It wasn't that long ago. That year, the average person in China lived on just over $3,400. And there were a lot of stories about China in the press because Beijing was hosting the Olympics. So here's a passage from one of those stories. In China, people use cash 95% of the time. They'll buy plane tickets in cash. They'll pay rent in cash. When you go to a bank in China, cash counting machines are a familiar sound. Out of 100 transactions, only one will be done by credit card. It seems surprising in a country known for its growing consumer culture. That was NPR Marketplace 14 years ago. The story goes on to describe the woes of those who were trying to get consumers to adopt credit cards in China. The Chinese consumer just wasn't going for it, in part because they didn't trust credit cards. You probably know where things stand now. By 2016, there were 23 trillion in mobile payments in China. By now, cash is all but out of circulation for many Chinese. The Bank of China is working on a digital yuan. And yes, people don't really use credit cards. It's basically all done on Alipay and WeChat Pay. 
The whole story is the subject of major white papers and surely many dissertations to come. We can't tell the whole story here. But one aspect of this story of rapid transition was necessity. When Amazon and other Western e-commerce platforms launched, they didn't have to figure out how people could pay for their products, so they didn't build their own payment systems. But in China, as e-commerce was promising, starting to take hold, those platforms urgently needed to solve the payments problem, or they simply wouldn't have a business. So they did. And those solutions have matured into digital payments platforms so ubiquitous and colossal that young urban Chinese basically don't use cash in 2022. The pandemic surely accelerated our flight away from cash, but I do have a hard time imagining a cashless Canada or a cashless US or a cashless UK or Europe in the near future. To find out more about the latest trends in digital commerce and digital advertising, check out our website, www.digcomall.org. For the Digital Commerce Alliance, take care of yourself and take care of each other. God bless. This is Dan Carell, signing off.